It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Yes, I have found my way back to the mailroom, and that means it's time for another Monday mailbag edition of this show. And of course, there has been news with the hiring of Brad Larson as the new head coach of the Blue Jackets. That means you have questions, and of course, I have answers. But first, I want to tell you about Telhio Credit Union. You know, it was back in 1934 when they decided they were going to put their customers above everything else. And that is something they have stayed true to until this very day. So if you're not a customer of Telhio Credit Union, if you don't know why you should be part of a credit union instead of a regular bank, maybe that's just one of many questions that you have, well, you can find the answer to that and to all of your questions on the website, telhio.org. Just surf through, click on the different tabs. You'll find the answers to your questions. If there's something that you can't figure out, well, during business hours, they have a live chat tab on the right-hand side of the screen. Click on that, and somebody will get with you and answer the question that you have. And the only question you'll have at the end is, why deal with a regular bank when you can deal with a credit union that will put you ahead of everything and everyone else? Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find them on the web at tellhio.org. All right, let's get to it. Brad Larson, the new head coach of the Blue Jackets. I got to be honest with you. When I put out a tweet on Friday and I said, the Monday mailbag is open, I thought it was going to be flooded with a lot of negativity because there were other pockets of social media where there was a lot of negativity. And that was fine. You know me, I'm okay with that. If you want to take that approach, I can come back at you with my approach. We'll agree in some spots. We'll disagree in some other spots. It's okay. But we got to tell you something. It is not what I thought that it was going to be, and that is not a complaint. Actually, that is a little bit of a breath of fresh air, but we're going to go through this whole thing. I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to give you my honest and true thoughts, as I always do, and we'll, we'll figure it out over the course of this show, but I want to get right into it without setting up much of anything. Brad Larson, assistant coach here for seven years, started under Todd Richards, and then spent the last six under John Tortorella. Many reasons why the Blue Jackets wanted to have him as their head coach. Armo Kekalainen, one of the things that he has been hammering at is he wants to keep the same type of culture intact. Also, is Brad Larson more of a player's coach than John Tortorella? I think he is. But again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because you have questions and I don't want to answer anything without getting to the question. So let's get right to it and go right to Twitter. You can find me there at Bobby Mac Sports. You can find me on Instagram at the same handle there. Um, Mark Correll II, remember when the fan base was angry about the John Tortorella hire? Now they're angry about the Brad Larson hire. Fickle fans, what are your thoughts on the hire? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and I'll get to the thoughts on the hire as I go along here, but I want to point this out. Mark is absolutely, positively right. When John Tortorella came in here, uh, there was a division. There, there was a division between... We like this and we don't like this. And there were a lot of people that were very skeptical about John Tortorella because of the way his one-year tenure in Vancouver went. Remember, he left the New York Rangers after a number of years, after taking them to a Stanley Cup final. He went to Vancouver. It was turmoil really from day one. And 
a lot of things happened there. He tried to go into the Calgary dressing room and beat up Bob Hartley in between periods. And it just didn't work in Vancouver. He spent a year out of the game. A lot of people were thinking he was never going to get back in. So when he was hired, remember, you may be one of those people that was saying to yourself, is this the right way to go? I know somebody, and I, I won't say his name. He's a good friend of mine. And this was very shortly after the hire. Uh, I saw him and he said, I don't like this. I said, why don't you like this? Because in my opinion, at that time, Todd Richards was more of a player's coach. And this team wasn't responding to a player's coach. This team needed that kick in the rear end. I'm not your buddy type of coach at that time. That was my opinion. John Tortorella fit the bill for that. So I said, to him, why don't you like it? He said, well, there's a lot of young players here and he has a reputation of rubbing wrong, uh, young players the wrong way and not going to get much out of him. So anyway, long story short, this went on, you know, that there was that first year, which the team started 0 and 8 and then couldn't climb out of that hole to get to the playoffs. But I went back the next season as the season started to go on. I said, what do you think of this now? Ah, it's not so bad now. Right. And then over the course of the six years, uh, he and I would talk all the time about John Tortorella's philosophies and the way that he looked at the game and at the athlete and tried to break them down mentally and all of, all of those things, all of the things that I absolutely positively loved about him. We talked about those all the time. So I know at least one person personally that at the time was like, this is no good. And by the end, knew that not only was it good or not only had it been good, but it's about over and that's too bad. So I'm sure he's not the only one that felt like that. But again, as Mark said, there are plenty of people that were down on John Tortorella's hiring. And some of those people, not all of them, but some of those people were disappointed that John Tortorella was leaving. So with Brad Larson, listen, it is, um, I think it's a, a great opportunity. Here's something I am going to say. And I've said this a couple of times in the last few days. I said this on a, an interview I did on Sirius XM NHL radio on Friday morning. Um, I forget where else I said it, but anyway, it, it is true. Oh, I just, I just said it in regular conversation to somebody. Listen, so many people complain that the national hockey league is all about retreaded coaches that a coach gets let go from one team, and then he shows up with another team. And many times it happens immediately. There's not even a break in between. It's like he left and now he's here. And there are a lot of people that start to say, well, when are they going to bring in somebody different? When, when is somebody new going to get a chance? Why is it always these same guys? Why? Why is Joe Quenville go from Chicago to Florida? Why is Peter DeBoer go from uh, what Florida to New Jersey to uh, Vegas, whatever the order was there. You, but you get what I mean, right? Why does Todd McClellan go from the San Jose Sharks to the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles Kings? Why don't they give somebody else a chance? Now, here's somebody else, even though he's been here seven years, I don't care. Here's somebody else getting a first-time opportunity to be a National Hockey League head coach. And for some, instead of embracing that it's not, well, some are upset because they wanted it to be a retread, but it's still not good enough. So you, you can't ever please the masses, right? You just have to do what you feel is right for yourself 
and for your team and for your organization. That's what the Blue Jackets have done here with the hiring of Brad Larson. So you just, you can't make everybody happy all of the time. But anyway, I digress. Um, Let me just go, I want to go to Instagram here because I got a couple of things on Instagram and, and some of these are, well, let me just get to it. MJ Kolaluka says, what are some of the benefits to promoting Brad Larson versus hiring a more high profile coach from the outside? And how likely do you think it is that Seth Jones is gone before the season begins? Um, Some of the benefits are, you know him, you know who he is, know what kind of a person he is, and the players know him. And the players were consulted in this. There were players that were at the press conference. I'll talk about that in just a bit. There were five players at the press conference with a show of support. Cam Atkinson was one of those guys. He played for Brad Larson when he was a head coach in Springfield before he came to the Blue Jackets as an assistant coach. So as the saying goes, and I don't mean this toward Brad Larson, that part of it, the devil you know. They know him very well. They know he's a teacher. They know that he is a good, honest human being. They know that the players like him and they feel the players will respond to him. Now, it's a different role. You know, assistant coach is uh, usually the good guy. The head coach is the bad guy. So you've got to go from being the good guy to the bad guy. Sometimes that's a difficult thing to do. Sometimes it's not. Remember, this guy has done this once. And even though that was at the American Hockey League, do not discount that experience of going from assistant coach to a head coach on the same team. Don't discount that experience. I think that is valuable for Brad Larson that he's already done it once. He's going to do it under a much bigger microscope, under a much brighter spotlight. But in many ways, it's the same thing. So I think that is going to benefit him. Um, uh, what All the other part of it, what, how likely is it Seth Jones is gone before the season starts? I think that's very likely. Uh, Brad Larson said that he was going to speak with Seth, excuse me, with Seth Jones. I just, I don't think that's going to make any difference just based on what I've read. I haven't talked to Seth. I'm not going to lie to you. Based on what I've read, uh, the tea leaves say that that's not going to make a difference. Maybe it does. Maybe we all get lucky and it does, but I don't think that it's going to, I don't, I don't think it's going to tip the scales in my opinion. Uh, Next one is from Dimitri Harrison. Dimitri says, as someone that has been around Brad Larson has had conversations with him, what is the one thing that we should know about him now that he is the Blue Jackets head coach? Before I answer that, I want to go to an email that I got, Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com from Cindy. And Cindy has a similar question. I was wondering what you know about Coach Brad Larson uh, that you could share with us uh, your thoughts on what types of things he as a head coach will be able to bring to the organization that are fresh and innovative, yet able to continue the culture and the standards that John Tortorella developed, what differences should we expect to see and what similarities? So two uh, very similar questions right there for Dimitri and Cindy. Um, I'll tell you this, starting with Dimitri, what can I tell you about Brad Larson? Pure. I mean, what you see is what you get. This guy is going to be straight up with you. He's not going to lie to you. He is, uh, he's a straight shooter. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he is uh, as pure as there is. And um, 
you know, I think he's like John Tortorella in that aspect because Tortorella would tell you the truth. You might like it. You might not like it, but he was going to tell you the truth. Now the delivery of that truth might be a little bit more massaged under Brad Larson. I would say not might. I'm, I, I would say it will be. Okay. I think it absolutely will be, but it's not going to be a difference. It's not going to be like one guy was being honest and one guy was lying. It's not like that at all. Uh, what I know about Brad Larson is great family man, great team guy, just a good person to have around, all around. So uh, that's what I say to you, Dimitri. Uh, Cindy, as far as what's going to be fresh and innovative, I talked to him in my one-on-one a little bit about strength and conditioning because he's very much into that. I think he will have some tweaks in what John Tortorella did to prepare his team, but I don't think it's going to be so different. I I believe that he saw the benefits of running the team through the gauntlet in the early part of training camp to have them not just ready for the season, but have them ready for the long haul of the season. But again, It's going to be how he does it and just the way that he relates to the players. Um, You're not going to see him snap on the bench like you did John Tortorella. Not all the time, probably sometimes, but not not nearly as much as my prediction. You're not going to see that. Um, You know, I, I just think he is going to have a better way with the players. I think he has more of a connection with the players, and that's not a knock on torts. You know, if you've listened to my interviews with John Tortorella over the course of the last six years, you know this. John Tortorella is a person that cares, but he is also a mental motivator. In my opinion, it's not that he doesn't care about the person, but it is a business relationship first and foremost. And outside of that, I I don't know how much he really delved into personal relationships with the players. Not, And I mean, you know, I'm sure he knows who their families are and he knows what's going on in their lives. But, but again, I don't know how really deep invested he would get because, you know, I think it's tough because sometimes you don't want that to affect the decision that you have to make as a coach. I think Brad Larson is going to be involved in all of that. And I still think he's going to be able to make those decisions uh, very easily because he was that guy. He played in this league. He played in this league for a long time. He played in the American Hockey League. He was a third-line guy, fourth-line guy, uh, mucker, grinder, as they say. He had to work for everything that he got every step of the way. He's had to work for everything that he's gotten as a coach every step of the way. And I think he is really going to understand with the player. You know, John Tortorella, his playing career was ended very early in the minor leagues. He didn't make it to the National Hockey League as a player. Brad Larson did. Uh, He can relate. Now, it it wasn't last year, right? I mean, it's been a good nine, 10 years, but still, still, it's still fresh enough. And from being on a bench as a coach, whether it's an assistant or a head coach, that he still understands a lot of things. And and they, um, I, I think the players are going to respond to that because I, he may just approach some situations a little bit differently than John Tortorella did from that playing experience uh, that he had in the league. So again, we'll see. I, I, I think that uh, that's going to be the biggest difference. I think the way that he relates with the players is going to be the biggest difference. And by the way, don't take that to mean that I think that 
players left here because of John Tortorella and he was too tough on them and this and that. Yeah, he's tough on them at times. I think it bugs them at times. I really do. I got to tell you this. I'm watching the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs and I watch Mike, uh, I watch Mark Shifley get suspended and Pierre-Luc Dubois get put into a bigger role. Now, Dubois had the biggest role here. He was the number one centerman. And remember, in the playoffs late last summer, this guy was a beast, right? He was a beast in the playoffs. And I just watched him go through and basically do nothing. And I asked myself, and maybe this is fair, maybe it's not, but I asked myself this, and I'm just telling you. Wonder if he needed that coach to be in his ear on the bench and riding him and pushing him because so many guys hate it while it's going on. And later they realize that it helped them and they needed it. Now, I don't know if that was the thing with Dubois or not, but I thought about it because I was watching it happen. So, you know, John Tortorella had his way of doing things. Brad Larson sees things in the same light, many things in the same light, but his way of going about those things is going to be very different. He said that in his press conference, and I absolutely positively believe that because he just is of a different temperament than John Tortorella is. All right, let's go to another tweet here from Dark Beer. says, hey, Bob, it was interesting to see some players in the building and at the press conference. Is there a point where they are not allowed in the building per NHL rules, or are they always allowed to work out but no practice? Thanks and good luck to Brad Larson. They're allowed in the building. In fact, there are off-season workouts. That, that's why those guys were there. They were there working out. Uh, Cam Atkinson, uh, Jonas Corposalo, Elvis Merzlikens, Gus Nyquist, Patrick Line. they were all there working out. And then they stayed and went to the press conference afterwards. So they were already there. And that's why. So there is workout availability during the off-season. And some guys will do it. And maybe they take time off early. Um, maybe they come in and, and they continue to work out and then they take their break and then they come back before training camp because those guys will come back about a month before training camp and start skating again. They'll be in the ice house in the mornings, not just blue jackets players, but players from other organizations that happen to live in Columbus. Uh, They'll come in, they all skate together before everybody breaks off and goes to their respective camp. So yeah, they're allowed in there. And that's, again, that's what they were doing there. They were, they were working and then they were staying in support of Brad Larson uh, as part of that press conference too. So kind of uh, the old two birds, one stone kind of thing, right? Two birds, one stone. Michael Richardson has sent me this tweet. Do you think it was wise to hire from within when we are in a rebuild? It was heartbreaking to hear that Seth Jones will not entertain re-signing, but with that, it obviously moved from a retool to a rebuild. How long realistically until we can be a contender again? That is a good question, Michael. And first of all, the organization, like you can sit here and say rebuild and I could speculate rebuild and Yarmo Kekalainen could come back tomorrow and say reload. And I do think that there are avenues available to do either of those things. Now, I don't know which direction they're going. They really haven't come out and stated what full direction they're going to go yet. But when you have... Seth Jones that can get you pieces when you have first round picks that can get you pieces when you have teams that are going to be backed up against the cap 
when you have teams that are uh, in tough spots because of the expansion draft, uh, there are opportunities. Now, my question is, can you, can you get back to being a legitimate contender by tweaking around the edges right now? Or is that something that might get you back into the playoffs next year or the year after? And then you're going to be back in this situation wondering why you didn't just tear it down when you had the chance. So that is, that is a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good question for Yarmo and John Davidson as to how they're going to approach this and what they're going to do, because it's tempting, right? It's tempting to just want to kind of smooth out the edges, move some guys, bring some guys in and get yourself back into the playoffs. Again, playoffs in contention to me are two different things. If you look back, a lot of people like to look back to a couple of years ago when they went all in, when they got to Shane and Dezingle and all that stuff. I look back further than that. Uh, There were times when the Blue Jackets had a chance to bottom out and get that impact player at the top of the draft, and they just couldn't do it. They the the pride was too much. They couldn't lose when Connor McDavid was available. There was, and and don't forget, Jack Eichel was in that too. So you had McDavid and Eichel. You had two shots at it at the top. They couldn't be bad enough to have a shot at either one. The Austin Matthews draft, they had a chance. They just couldn't be bad enough to give themselves a real shot. Do you have to take that shot now? No, you don't have to. But would you be wise to? Listen, I don't have an idea what this draft is going to be like. These teams are going to tell you that, oh, yeah, yeah, we just went back and we looked at all the underage reports that we had from the year before, and even though some guys didn't even play, we're good. Okay, maybe you are, but maybe you're not because it was such a weird year. Some guys didn't play at all. Some guys played very little. You know, personally, I think the European guys and the college guys have a leg up on everybody this year because they played. Ontario Hockey League didn't even play. Imagine that didn't even play and now you've got a draft going on two-year-old reports yeah a little tournament here you see him play there whatever but still bit of a crapshoot perhaps right and then the next two drafts after that are supposed to be good with impact players you know franchise changing players that kind of thing so again You have to factor all that in. How good do you want to be this year? Oh, you and I, we want to be good. We want to be in the playoffs. We want to get, you know, this year stunk. The terrible taste in your mouth, right? It was awful. Let's get back to it. Let's have a chance. A chance of winning the Stanley Cup? Is that what you're going to get if you kind of smooth out the edges this year? Or are you going to get a chance just to get back into the playoffs? And then have to retool when when there might not be as much opportunity. I mean, look at this. Let's be honest. Seth Jones should bring you a big return. Um, you know, the, the picks, as I said, you can maneuver those picks in different ways and you can get a return. Um, what's going to happen with Patrick Line? Is he staying or is he not staying? Because if he's not going to stay, then that gives you an opportunity to get something else in return. So I think there are, 
I think there are a, a wealth of opportunity. There is a wealth of opportunity here, even if you have to wait, even if you have to suffer a little bit of pain. Short-term pain could be the long-term gain, I think, because this team, say what you want, this market with this team, you've got to draft and develop. They did it once. They had Josh Anderson. They had Pierre-Luc Dubois. They still have Oliver Bjorkstrand, Zach Wierenski, um, you know, Jonas Corposalo, Cam Atkinson, draft and develop guys. You know, that's what they have. And you go out and get some guys. But the, the core of your team should be draft and develop. And, you know, right now, Seth Jones came by trading a draft and develop guy in Ryan Johansson. So that's what it's about. But if you can draft and develop and you get that group that likes to play together and they win together, and then they want to stay together. You know, then that's when all the other stuff comes into play. That's when all the, uh, do I feel like I'm getting treated fairly at the bargaining table? Do I feel like the coach is treating me fairly and giving me a great opportunity? You know, that that's when all that stuff comes into play. But first, you don't even get there if you don't draft and develop. So that's what they need to do again. Draft the right guys, develop the right guys, get them together, build another core. The, the time with this particular group has run out, and that's okay. The time has run out. That's okay. But you got to get another group and bring that group together and do the same thing all over again. All right, let's see. Mike the Fireman on Twitter says, Seth Jones to Philadelphia for Travis Konecki. Worth it? I don't think so. I don't know. First of all, I think you get more out of Seth Jones than that. I really do. I, I think you need to get more out of Seth Jones than just that, than just one player. I think you have a chance to uh, get multiple, multiple pieces or get into a, you know, a much bigger, more massive type of a deal. Kelly wants to know, will Brad Larson or the management pick the assistant coaches? Will we possibly see any Cleveland Monsters coaches moving up to the Blue Jackets? Um, I think it's going to be a combination, Kelly, to be honest with you. Uh, I know a lot of times the management does step in and they have a guy or two. Well, there's, I guess there are going to be two guys hired. So maybe there's one guy that they would like to be there. Or maybe there's not. I don't know. Personally, personally, I think the head coach should be able to pick whoever he wants because it's got to be his team. You've got to assemble your team. You got to get somebody that you're comfortable with and you know is going to do the job. They're your guy and they know that they're your guy, if that makes sense to you. Trust factor. So I know management gets involved at times on all teams and all sports. If it was me, and maybe I could sit here and say this because I have nothing to do with it, because maybe I would be a GM and I would say, hey, my buddy over here, he's a good guy, and I think we should have him. But I would prefer, if I was in that role, that I would tell my coach, go get who you want, because it's on you at the end of the day. You know, if your assistants stink and you pick them, it's on you. If the team, if I get you what I feel are, are good players, and it doesn't happen, it's on you. That's that's the nature of the beast, right? Nature of the job. And I would say this too. And I don't know if anybody from Cleveland is going to come up and join the staff, but remember when Brad Larson was in Springfield, he had Jared Bednar and Nolan Pratt as his assistant coaches. Jared Bednar is the head coach in Colorado and Nolan Pratt is an assistant for him. 
So he did a pretty good job picking that time around. To me, based on that, I'd let him pick again because he had a pretty good feel as to what was going on. But again, I'm not giving him the permission or taking that away from him either. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let me see. Uh, and Kilch on uh, Twitter says, uh, do you believe that uh, with Larson being hired combined with the Jones news, it's time for a rebuild? I believe with the three picks and the return for Jones that it is the best course of action. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. Uh, I mean, I hate it. I, I hate it. I'm, you know, we all like to win, as I said earlier. And the fact of a rebuild is just an ugly word. It sounds terrible. And, but if it's, if it's going to get you long-term success, I'll live with it. And I'm sure you will live with it. So just, you know, I'm kind of of the mindset, just tell me, just tell me where we're going here and what the plan is and how you plan on getting it done. And I'm good. I'm in, I'm in. You, you want to do that. If the best thing is that we've got to tear this thing down and then, you know, draft and we're going to use all those picks and, and we're going to get even more picks and we're going to, you know, get during a, what everybody feels is a stronger draft next year. We're going to get more picks. We're going to do that. Great. Great. If that, if that is the best course of action, I'm all in. No problem with it. I mean, I don't say no problem. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to call you know, 60 losses or anything crazy like that, but I'm just saying that you've got to look at the big picture here, not just the, the small picture as to what's in front of you right now. Speaking of that, here we go. Joshua Kirk. We've all dreamed of getting Jack Eichel this summer, but I've also heard a lot about Sam Reinhart. His scoring was downright impressive given that he was a saver this past year. How much do you know about him? And do you think that he could be a legitimate number one center that we need? I'll say this about Sam Reinhardt. You know, again, a good player uh, that the Sabres took very high in the draft. And, um, you know, the, the thing about Eichel is, and I've got another Eichel thing here somewhere that I'll get to in a second, but um, it is, uh, I think Reinhardt is a good player. Can he be a number one center? I mean, you know, who, who knows? I mean, really, for all intents and purposes, Jack Roslovic was almost playing or was playing as a number one center by the end of the year here. Um, and he's not one. Maybe he develops into one too. I don't know. He's got to work on his defense. He knows it. You know, all those things. Uh, Max Domi didn't perform at a number one center role for most of the year. So I don't know, but you know, Reinhardt is another guy that's out there that uh, I think people will take a long look at and maybe you know, I, I hate to, I don't want to say, you know, if you can't get this guy, you take this guy, uh, you know, like he's a second fiddle or anything, but, you know, get, again, it all depends on the price and what you're willing to pay, what they're willing to take and where you want to go from here. Let's uh, get, get another question here. Speaking of Eichel, uh, Hyun Sue Johnson says, uh, line A and Jones for Eichel. Line A doesn't really fit well in Columbus. All right, let me ask you this question. Just, just call me crazy here, okay? But if you're going to get Jack Eichel, why wouldn't you keep Patrick Line? If you have a guy that has scored 40 in the league and, and part of his problem, it's deemed that part of his problem is he needs somebody to get him the puck. He needs a true superstar center. 
if that is part of it, why would you go get that centerman and get rid of him? Why wouldn't you find a way to get the centerman and keep him and let them play together? Again, I will remind you, in case you have forgotten, when you look at the teams that are good, they have lines they can stack. They have multiple superstars. Okay? Um, let me get who's still in the playoffs here that – well, Colorado just got knocked out. But, look, you've got McKinnon and Rantanen on a line. And then you can put Landis Cog on that line if you want to, or Landis Cog can be on the next line. So you, you got to stack it up. So if you take Line A out of that, who are you going to put on there? You got Eichel playing with, you know, who? Top, and I'm talking upper echelon player playing with what? He's going to make Emil Bemstrom better because of his play. Maybe he does, but is he going to make Emil Bemstrom, Patrick Line in his, I mean, the good Patrick Line? Is he going to make him that? I'd rather try taking the bad Patrick line a and making him the good Patrick line a with a guy like that. But again, maybe that's just me. Maybe that is just me. Jody has this question. Jody says, I know a lot of former blue jackets players are unrestricted free agents. I think some are on the older side and not worth spending a lot of money on yet. The team does need some more veterans in the room. Who would you bring in either former or non-former? Well, Jody, again, I, First of all, my question would be, what direction are you going and do you need them in the room? Do you need them in the room? Or are you just going to go with youth? Are you going to develop? You're going to develop in the American Hockey League or are you going to develop in the National Hockey League? You know I'm a proponent of developing in the American Hockey League. You know I am. Is that where, is that where Igor... Chinakov is going to go. That's where he should go. But how young are you going to be at the NHL level? And how worried are you going to be about winning a lot based on next year's draft? So do you need to go get those guys? Do you need them? Do you need to spend that money? Do you need that? Or are you just going to go total youth movement? Good question, right? So until I know exactly how I want to approach it and go at it i'm i would just hold off on them right now i, I would just hold off because if I, if i'm thinking of really just taking it down to build it back up i would i just hired a coach that is a development coach a teacher so maybe i just teach in the national hockey league I mean, we're used to being the youngest team in the league every year anyway, right? So I would just, uh, I'm, I'm just going to hold on that until I know exactly where it's going. And once I know that, I have a better answer for you. But right now, if I'm thinking, take it down, maybe I'll just take it down. Maybe we'll just develop in the NHL, do the best we can. And uh, if that isn't very good, it could be really good when it comes to next year's draft. Email here from uh, Troy. Troy says, I assume you're being flooded with questions about Brad Larson and Seth Jones, so I'll take mine a different direction. Do you agree with this generalized statement? Players in any sport drafted and developed by an organization are more inclined to stay in that organization. I can only think of three players drafted and developed by the Blue Jackets wanting out. 
Rick Nash, Josh Anderson, Pierre-Luc Dubois, each for different reasons. The others were brought in by trades. 20 years, three players, that's pretty good. Am I missing any? Mike Riley refused to sign, but that's not the same. And do you think there's any truth to the local rumor that Zach Wierenski is looking to force a trade to the Red Wings soon? Well, Troy, that is a, uh, it's a great breakdown, the way you put it together. And uh, you're right. Three guys, uh, you can't count Panarin. He was brought in as a trade, on a trade, offered him a gazillion dollars, and he didn't want to stay. What are you going to do? For people that were mad that Bobrovsky didn't stick around and get what he was asking for, looking, and I'm not knocking Bob. I'm really not. Please. Uh, I, I love Bob, and he did great things for this franchise. But would you like to be saddled with that contract right now? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, three guys. You know, that's fair. And in the Rick Nash trade, say what you want. When he left, they got pieces that started to turn it around. So that that was beneficial. Um, Josh Anderson, <laughs> he and Max Domi ended up with the same number of points this year. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Will it stay that way always? I don't know. But it that did happen. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, I went through that saga earlier. Zach Wierenski, I don't know. Again, that's another thing where the way the league is going, Look, we all know this. We all know Zach and Dylan Larkin are the best of friends. I'll be honest with you. If I was general manager, I think I might try to pry Dylan Larkin out of Detroit and get him to Columbus before Zach Wierenski gets to a point where he can make a decision that he wants to go to Detroit. But a couple of things with that. Zach Wierenski is from Detroit. It's his hometown team. Of course, he has had to have dreamed of playing for the Detroit Red Wings. And he's had to dream about playing with his best friend, who's also from that area, and is the captain of the Detroit Red Wings. You think Steve Eiserman, who was the captain of the Red Wings forever, is going to be quick to trade the captain of the Red Wings? Probably not. Probably not. But will Zach go there? Yeah. Hey, maybe at some point, sooner than later, I don't know. But the league is starting to go in that direction. There are guys who want to play as a teammate of other guys. They're guys that want to play in certain cities. So again, if you're tearing it down, and by the way, can I just say this? Everybody's talking about Seth Jones leaving. That's terrible. I'll give you that. But didn't Zach Wierenski score 20 goals as a defenseman? Not Seth Jones. I'm just checking on that. Just checking. And I know you want a defenseman to play defense and Seth does that better than Zach, but for a team that doesn't score, didn't Zach score 20 goals? Just checking. So if you're going to make a priority, where's the priority? Well, one guy's already said he doesn't want to stay. So the, the next, the priority is going to be on Zach. But if he has those dreams, you know, people knock John Tavares when he went to the Leafs and he tweeted the picture about, you know, him, his young self in the Maple Leafs pajamas. And he got all kind of hate over that, mostly because the, the Islanders fans were just, they're Islanders fans. But it is a dream of guys. And if, if you had a chance, if you were an athlete and you had a chance to go play for the team that you grew up rooting for, would you take it? I would. I would take it in a heartbeat. Absolute heartbeat. Wouldn't have to think about it twice. Even if that team was bad. Maybe even if I had to wait till later in my career when 
it didn't matter. And I just wanted to do it so that I could say I did it. But I, I would do it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I would do it. So if Zach decides he wants to go that direction, would it surprise me? No. Would it disappoint me? Of course it would. But, but I would get it. I would understand. And again, those are questions that will be asked or have already been asked because you got to figure out what direction you're going. Because if he doesn't want to be a part of it either, then more pieces. The bad news is he doesn't want to be a part of it. The good news is more pieces, more opportunities, more ways to get more picks, more prospects, more players. So again, I know you don't want to hear all that, but it's the honest to goodness truth. Honest to goodness truth. Why would I lie to you? There's no reason. Because I I think it is very fair to say that that we're all going to feel some short-term pain here in the near future. But if it's going to pay off in a long-term gain, as I said before, I'm in. Lois Graham has sent me this on Twitter. Can you please explain why it takes so long to take care of a surgical repair? Our Blue Jacket season has been over a couple of months, yet we just heard that Max Domi is having surgery and he'll be out five to six months. If they had completed his surgery as soon as we stopped playing, he would be ready. Well, Lois, again, I didn't talk to Max about it. I haven't talked to a trainer about it, but I'll tell you this. Sometimes the season gets over, guys have been playing through pain, and, and sometimes they just think, well, after a break, it's going to go away. And then they, they take a little bit of a break, and then they go back and they start to lift, they start to work out or whatever, and they're still having that same problem. And then finally they get it looked at and they find out that it was a problem that was, uh, that it was more than they thought that it was. And I think that might be what happened here with Max. I don't want to speak for Max because because I, I don't know 100% for sure. I'm just saying that it does happen. And sometimes, sometimes an organization will even know and they're hoping that, that uh, rest and rehab will make it better. And then it turns out that surgery is required uh, somewhere down the line anyway. Um, nobody just goes right away surgery. Now, in most cases, they don't. In, in most cases, you're going to give it an opportunity to get better. And it, it's, it's frustrating. It is frustrating to you and I because that's an obvious question. Well, what the heck? Why didn't you just do that when it was over and he'd be ready to go? Now you're looking at not having him for a month. Now what are you going to do? You already have no centerman. Now what are you going to do? It's a legit question. But again, sometimes... It just takes time to figure out that there's more needed to get the player healthy than you thought that there was. So that's the only answer I have for you on that, Lois. All right, before I uh, close it out, I've got one video question here to, uh, and this is so this is not even player topic. So I'm going I'm going way off the charts with this one. So let me start it for you. Hey, Bob, Dennis Kelly here. Hey, I'm reading about this designated outdoor refreshment area plan that's in the works, and I'm all for it. I look at this and you know, I, I, I read the application, and, and, and I read the letters of support from some of the team presidents and all that, and I, and I came across the one from Mike Priest, who said this is an opportunity to elevate our game day experience to enhance our game day experience. And I'm sure I'll track him down later and ask him what he meant. But for right now, I want your thoughts. I, I, I think about the enormous amount of foot traffic in both Patel 
and McConnell plazas. Enormous amount of foot traffic that this could create. Well, while we have the people on the plazas, how can we turn this into a revenue stream? What are your thoughts? What, what, what would be the Bob McGilligan plan? The McGilligan plan. HRB Mac. What do you think could happen? What are some of your thoughts? I mean, do we call Frisco, Texas and get Jerry Jones on retainer? I mean, how do we turn this into a cash cow? I want to know your thoughts, Bob. Have a wonderful week. Well, thank you, Dennis, challenging me as you so frequently do. In fact, you challenged me so much, I had no idea what you were talking about. I had to go research this thing and figure out what it was because I didn't see the story. I didn't read anything about it. So, you know, I was uh, learning on the fly as I do so much with what I do. And, and so, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn. I, I didn't talk to Mike Priest about this. Obviously uh, you, you got the, you read his quotes. And since you asked me about a revenue thing, see, I think it's two things. I, I think what, what you said is in the statement that Mike Priest said that this would give the Blue Jackets a chance to elevate the game day experience. Now, to me, just hearing that, and again, don't, this is off top of my head, seat of my pants here thing. I think that's different from revenue streams. You're, Dennis, you're asking me about revenue streams. He's talking about a game day experience. I do see where you could bring the two together, but I don't know all the rules and regulations to all of this. So if I speak out of turn, I apologize, but here we go. First of all, if you could go into an establishment, get a drink, and you can walk out of that establishment and walk around. Here's how I see it enhancing a game day experience. I think you can very easily put a DJ on the plaza. Maybe you can put one on either plaza. You can put a band on the plaza. Um, maybe you um, get a... Uh, Maybe you get permits to shut off Nationwide Arena uh, on each side of the arena there. And you don't have to do this all the time, but maybe you block it off and you just make that a, a full party area at different times with that entertainment. So you can go and you can start at an establishment and you can get your drink and you can carry it right out of that establishment and you can come down there. Uh, I think a lot of people... I think it's fair to say a lot of people on a game night are already going to the game, but that doesn't mean 100% of the people on any given night are going to the game. It doesn't 100% uh, say that everybody has been to a game or knows exactly what's going on. So uh, I think uh, being able to mingle and bring some other things, look, it all is about entertainment now. It's not just the game itself. So if you can start that experience outside with fun and music, I got to tell you, I was just uh, a couple of Fridays ago. I rode with my son back down to Florida for his, uh, his his summer baseball program was starting. So I rode back with him and on his way up, he had stopped at the, um, they'd gone through Atlanta. He and my wife went through Atlanta and they went to the new ballpark in Atlanta, Truist Field, which is no longer, the, the ballpark there is no longer in downtown. They, they moved it north of the city. And he was like, we got to stop. We got to stop. And it was a Friday night and it was already late. We didn't leave in time to go see the game. And um, we got there and it was the seventh inning and the Braves are getting pummeled by the Dodgers. And I was like, ah, do we, do we really need to go see this? And he goes, yeah, you got to see it. It's amazing. So we parked and we walked in there and they had, you know, you talk about stadiums being downtown and how great it is. And especially baseball stadiums with the open air stadium. And then you can get the, the backdrop of the city, you know, the Reds have, it looks out over the river and, 
you know, Pittsburgh's got a, a great look at the skyline there and, you know, other, other cities, Colorado's got a great look anyway. So you think that it's got to be in downtown, right? But they basically built the town around this place and it's an entertainment district. It is uh, it's very similar to uh, the shops at Easton uh, shops and bars and restaurants. And then they just dropped this ballpark right in the middle of it. Now, again, it was a Friday night and the people were pouring out of there in the seventh inning because the Braves were getting beaten so bad, but it was hopping. The whole thing around it was hopping as far as the, the bars and the restaurants and people were everywhere. And it was fun. It was a heck of a lot of fun. Now I think with the arena district, you know, people go down there and they have dinner before the game. And then they go to the game and then, you know, uh, pretty much not, not everybody takes off, but I don't, it wasn't like this. Okay. And I realize the baseball stadium holds a lot more people and all that, but here's my point. If there's any way to keep people around and contributing to all of the businesses down there, I think that's a good thing. And this would also benefit the Clippers. This would benefit the crew in their new stadium, all of that stuff. Um, but for the Blue Jackets, we're talking about the Blue Jackets here. So you could do entertainment on the, on the plazas. And again, here's where I don't know the rules. So for, I'm speaking out of school, just look, it's just me. It's just, it's just the Bob, the broadcaster thinking he knows everything about marketing. I know a lot, but you know, you can, why couldn't you, uh, you know, you could sell your own beverages out there on the plaza before the game starts. Right. So if you start an establishment and you carry your drink over and then you, your drink's empty, are you going to walk back there and get another one and bring it back? You could, or if it's right here, well, then you could just get one right here. Uh, you could put, uh, you could put some of the merchandise out there and you could sell it. And again, if people aren't going to the game and they just happen to be down there and they come by, you know, maybe they buy, maybe they buy a shirt and, and they wouldn't have bought a shirt. Maybe you put a ticket salesperson out there because, you know, you could sell a ticket to an upcoming game. You could have information about season tickets. Somebody could come by there. Maybe they're just going to a game. Maybe they got tickets from a buddy or a friend or from work and, uh, or maybe they bought a single game and then all of a sudden they come down and there's all this fun stuff going on with people all over the place. And, and they go, man, we, this might be a, a good idea to buy somewhat of a season ticket package. So, to me, that's where you can get revenue. Those are different sources, your merchandise, uh, potential ticket sales there. And if you're allowed to sell alcohol outside of there and, you know, while you're having your plaza party, well, then, you know, that's a no brainer, too. So, Dennis, that's what I think. It's a very long winded answer to what I think. And I don't know anything because I said I had to go and in research what was even going on. I did. I didn't even know it was proposed. I didn't even know they were going to have a virtual council meeting on it. But uh, once I looked into it, I like it. I like the idea. I think it's um, it just makes it easier for everybody. And er I think everybody benefits. I think the fan benefits. I think all the teams benefit. I think the, the businesses will benefit. Um, I just think, I think it's good. So we'll see if it happens or if it doesn't happen. But that's my answer to your question. So we've covered a lot today, right? We've covered a new coach. We've covered... Uh, what the potential directions this team could go. Uh, we've covered who with players wants to be here, who doesn't want to be here, who might want to be here, who might not want to be here. We've covered how you make money by being able to walk around with your alcoholic beverages from one establishment to another. I think we've covered a lot. It's what happens in the summertime. See, once you get that first little piece of information going, 
like the hiring of a coach. Once you get it going, it, it starts to go. But uh, I love your questions, of course. Uh, you know, it's always great to sit down here and, and get back at it. You know, it's funny. I was, um, I was doing an interview. I did something on Zoom yesterday, and I thought, I got to remember how to use this. I mean, I was doing it three or four times a day easily during the season. And now I had to remember the settings and how to change a bunch of stuff on it. And, and they've changed some things. It got updated that I, I didn't know until I went to turn it on. So it is good to be back in the chair again. And it is always good to be talking to you about the Blue Jackets, no matter what it is. So we'll continue to talk as things happen. You can always feel free to send me questions about anything you want. Twitter and Instagram at Bobby Mac Sports via my email, bobbymac at bluejackets.com. It's very, very simple. So I hope this has been uh, educational for you. I hope it's been entertaining for you. And you can now pick up your beverage and you can move on to the next venue. It is allowed. It's our own uh, virtual Dora area right here. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.